the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Amen. Be turning to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 14 to 16. The title of the message this morning is Approaching the Throne of God. The writer of Hebrews uh, writes, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may find and receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. You know, I used to work for a, a very large uh, internet peripheral company years ago. And one time our CEO called a company meeting. And because the company was so large and so powerful in its market, we had to hold our uh, company meeting at a, at a convention center that we rented. There were thousands of people there, all employees. And it was a Tuesday noontime. And the atmosphere was like a, a New Year's Eve party. I mean, people were just like celebrating. Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, energy in the, in the convention center. There's lots of food. Uh, there's lots of fanfare. You know, there's, uh, there's a spirit of joy, you know, around that time. And then uh, the CEO began to make his way into the, to the room, to the convention center. And as soon as he entered, people started cheering and applauding. And people are clapping. People are shouting. You know, they couldn't wait to hear from the big guy. So as he made his way to the stage, you know, he was being attended by an entourage of assistants, you know, trying to tend uh, for his every need. And as soon as he mounted that podium... As, as soon as he began speaking, the whole place just became very silent. Everyone was ready to hear what's going to come out of the mouth of its leader. And at that moment, there was no doubt in anyone's mind that that man was the most powerful man in that company. A couple of days later, I was walking in the hallway of one of our buildings, and the same guy stopped me and started talking to me, introduced himself as if I would not recognize him, introduced himself to me, and uh, started uh, you know, uh, doing some small talk. And after all the preliminary talk that he made, he asked me, were you at the convention meeting? And I said, yes, okay. What is our mission statement as a company? And he began to quiz me on our, our foundational goals, our long and short-term goals 
the, the, the strategy, the threefold strategy that the company uh, was planning to execute. Fortunately for me, all of that information was printed at the back of my badge. So I was able to at least answer some of the questions that he had. But one thing I noticed, he wasn't wearing a suit. He was wearing a t-shirt and jeans. There was nobody around him. It's just by himself. And when he finally got through talking, he went back to his office. And to my surprise, his cubicle looked exactly like mine. That experience taught me a couple of valuable things about power. And that is, truly powerful people know who they are. And they know what they expect from others. I also learned that a powerful person do not need to surround himself or herself with the evidence of that power. It doesn't matter where they are, their power goes with them. The same can be said about the throne of God. The throne of God represents not necessarily a literal chair where God sits. You know, sometimes we let our imagination get out of hand and we think when we talk about the throne of God, we're talking about a literal, literal chair in which God sits down and executes His power and His presence. No. The term throne of God is used in the Bible as an anthropomorphism. Don't let me repeat that or spell it. I can't. But it's a technical term that says it's a description of God in a way that you and I can relate to him. That's what an anthropomorphism is. The way the Bible explains God in a way that you and I can understand. When we talk about the throne of God, we're talking about God's transcendent presence and power. That's what it represents. Every one of us one day will stand before that transcendent power and presence called the throne of God. We will be quizzed. We will be asked by God as to how we related to His self-revelation. That's an important thing to think about every moment of our lives. God will one day ask us to give an account of how we handled the revelation that He has given us about Him. All of humanity will stand in the presence of God, either to go to heaven or to be eternally separated from Him in a place called hell. The Bible says that God revealed Himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, His one, His only Son. In the Great Commission, Jesus owned that revelation by saying, all authority and power has been given to me. Jesus is the sinless Son of God who walked this earth in perfection in a manner that we cannot achieve for ourselves. 
But one day we will be asked to give an account of what we did to that revelation. And like that CEO, he will be able to relate to us because the Bible calls him God's suffering servant. He is our great high priest. He took on humanity in order to relate to us. And one day we're going to be in his presence. We're going to be in the presence of the throne of Christ. And we will give an account of the revelation that we have received. He will not introduce himself or prove himself. Once we come to that ultimate presence, we know and he knows who's who. We will not be asked about anything we didn't understand. And we will be evaluated and judged on the basis of the revelation we received from him. So the question we're going to ask ourselves this morning is, are we ready to stand before the throne of God? And of course, this is Communion Sunday, so you need to expect this type of sermon. Let me ask that question again. Are you, am I, ready to stand before the throne of God? Loved ones, don't take the attitude of saying, I'll worry about that when I'm old. I'll worry about that when I get there. There's plenty of time in my life for me to consider those things. The Bible continually teaches us, admonishes us, and warns us that, that the time to prepare for that inevitable encounter, that unavoid, uh, unavoidable encounter, that inescapable moment is right here and right now. It's not going to happen after we die. It cannot happen after, just happen after we die. It has to happen right here and right now. The time is now. To all of us as Christians, all of life is about preparing to one day stand before the throne of God. And for us as followers of Jesus, the time to approach that throne is now. Not later, not in any other moment, but right now. The throne of God is not a place that is afar off. It's where the power and the presence of God is. And the power of God and the presence of God is here. He's right here because the Holy Spirit resides in every person that calls on the name of Jesus. So every blood-bought, born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is in possession of God's Spirit. And if His Spirit is present in us, we are to approach the throne of God because that's where the manifestation of God's presence and power is. If you have received Jesus in your life, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and the throne of God is in you. No matter what happens to us, we are free to approach the throne of God. You know, sometimes we get preoccupied with, with life and with, with all the things that are going on. And, and um, you know, sometimes uh, we don't think too much of these spiritual realities because there's just so much things going on. You know, I'm guilty just as much as anybody else about this, you know, situation 
personal spirituality, you know, seeking God on a situation-by-situation basis. And I think as human beings, we, we sometimes fall into that um, uh, dilemma. Seeking God is an everyday enterprise for the follower of Jesus. It's true that we must approach God when our situation uh, calls for it. But the throne of God must be approached on a daily basis. Much the same way in the message last Sunday when we learned that we need to carry the cross. We need to crucify ourselves on a daily basis. We need to approach the throne of God on a daily basis. It's wiser to know how to approach the throne of God before we feel a need, before a situation arises that requires us to come before the Lord. It's wiser, it's more prudent for us to practice that spiritual discipline of approaching the throne of God when nothing's going on than when something begins to happen. You know, it's not any different from buying a, a, a funeral package. You know, my wife and I bought a funeral package not too long ago. That's a smart thing to do. You don't buy a package after you die because it's expensive. People think that it's, it's cheap to die. Not, not anymore. I mean, it's more expensive to die these days. So what do you do? You buy a funeral package before you die. It's just a smart thing to do. And the same thing in our lives as followers of Jesus. The time to approach the presence of God and to know what that is, to know how to do that is right now. You don't have to wait until some situation arises when some problems come or some, uh, some dilemma hits your life. The time to do that is now. It's not a question of looking for it. It's a question of preparing to approach it, okay? So I want to lay in your heart three ways, according to our text, as to how we can approach the throne of God. Remember, the throne of God is His power and His presence. It can be experienced if you're a follower of Jesus. Three ways, according to Hebrews, uh, as to how we approach the throne of God. First of all, we approach the throne of God with a purposeful grip on our passion for Jesus. That's a mouthful. Let me say that again. We approach the throne of God with a purposeful grip on our passion for Jesus. Look at verse 14 once again. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. What does that mean? I want you to underline the word, the statement, let us firm, hold firmly to the faith we profess. What does that mean? It means this. It means that we need to double up. It means that we need to accelerate you know, for our profession of faith. It means that we need to put a bite on our faith. It means we need to strengthen our faith. Okay? That's what it means. Why is that important? Because the Scripture says that Jesus can relate to us. He was our great high priest. He has accomplished for us what we cannot accomplish for ourselves. There's never going to be any situation, any, any circumstance, any possible dilemma, adversity, any possible situation that you and I will face in life that Jesus cannot relate to. 
He can relate to every human experience because he became like one of us, did not sin, and became our heavenly high priest. Now, I know you've heard these things before, but how do we respond to that? By taking a lexadaisical approach to our faith? No, the scripture is encouraging us to build it up, have a strong grip, add passion to your faith. Don't take a mild-mannered approach in our faith in Christ. Now, I know that's a rebuke for me. That's a rebuke for you because we are big into this situational spiritualism. We tend to really simply go to God when there's a problem happening. You know, one of the great things that have happened through this pandemic is a lot more people began to think of their own mortality, you know. Pretty soon, they're staring. We're all staring at the possibility that we can die, <laughs> you know. But that's a good thing because it's a reminder to us that, that life is but a mist, like the Scripture says. We can be here today and gone tomorrow. But the Bible says, firmly have a grip on your profession of faith. Don't wait for that kind of situation. Build your faith up right now. Be passionate for Jesus. Faith without passion, it isn't faith at all. I mean, it's lacking. We need to build that faith. We need to learn how to develop, direct, and drive our passion for Jesus. That's what it means to hold firmly to our profession of faith. Don't be throwing around things like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all say we believe in Jesus. We have faith in Jesus. And without being guilty of asking you to do something that will be constituted as works, I'm challenging everybody this morning for us to double up our passion. We need to drive our passion for Jesus. We need to find a way to develop that. We need to yield to the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God is speaking to our situation. Don't wait until we get a wake-up call or don't wait until we, there's a circumstance that happens before we can, again, uh, try to, to pursue you know, that passion that we have for Christ. You know, when I first came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, I could still remember the fire in my heart. You know, I was a 16-year-old kid. I grew up in church. You know, I know the jargon. I've heard people talk about a, a good deal about what it means to be a Christian, but I did not become a follower of Jesus until I came face-to-face -face with the preaching of the Word of God that says, when you get to heaven, when you face the throne of God, your mama won't be there. Your papa won't be there. Your friends won't be there. Your pastor won't be there. You're going to be there and you're going to give an account. And that's what triggered me to think about this thing. It's an individual decision. And you know what? When I made that decision, the fire started. Nah, it wasn't always perfect. You know, you and I know that the process of growing. You know, some people say, my journey of faith is a straight journey. Not for me. I had a zigzag. Let me tell you. You know, I'm up one day, down the next. You know, I'm doing really well and really crying before God one day. But some days, man, it's just the temptations are too much. <laughs> and still today, we, we experience that because we're not in heaven yet. But the good news is the throne of God is present and it can be accessed. 
but we have to have a firm grip. We need to develop, direct, and drive that passion for Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Well, what you're doing right now, being here, that's part of it, okay? We, discipline, we, 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 we practice the spiritual disciplines. We pray. We worship. We look at the Word. Those are the things that we've heard growing up as Christians. Christians, they do matter. They do work. It, it, it wouldn't have been commanded to us if they're not effective. But that's an important thing to consider. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew 6. We all know this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What was He talking about there? He's talking about our tendency to seek God when... We need Him, okay? So Jesus says, do it the other way around. Why don't you seek first the throne of God and His righteousness? And all these things shall be added unto you. If we only want to look for the Lord in certain situations in life, why would Jesus have to say seek first? What is Jesus trying to look for? He's trying to look for passion. He wants us to be passionate for Him. If we really believe that God knows what we need before we ask of Him, what other purpose do we need to have to approach His throne? And that is, we need to develop, drive our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Seek His presence continually. Notice that it is not a situational seeking. It is a continuous part, a continuous discipline in each and every one of our lives. Not just in certain situations, but a continual, continuous development, drive, directing our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're probably saying to yourself, well, you know, I'm just not... You know, I'm, I just, I'm just not a, like a, a passionate person and all of that. Now, think about the things that you're passionate for, the thing that you like, okay? You, you know, let's say you're, 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 you know, you're a passionate football fan and all of that. What do you do? You know, you, you, you tend to, to prepare yourself. You know, you tend to seek after that which you like. You know, you, 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 you set your timer so that when you go to church, you won't miss the game. You, you do something to make sure that you, you have a firm grip on that, on that thing that you're most passionate for. I mean, you know, we're able to do the same thing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, we need to approach the throne of God from a position of guilt against God's perfect justice. From a position of guilt and God's perfect justice. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Look at verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us not approach the throne of God with a sense of entitlement. You know, that's another wrong way of approaching the presence of God. You know, this, this sense of entitlement, the sense that we deserve something, you know, that's not the right way to approach the throne of God. Instead, we need to approach the throne of God from a standpoint, from a position of guilt. 
Now, you know, you, you understand what that means in a, little, in a little bit. We lost all kinds of entitlement when sin entered humanity. And since the day sin entered humanity, mankind have been preoccupied, and this includes you and I, mankind have been preoccupied with the quest of finding its way back to God to regain the thing that we have lost. That has been the preoccupation of the fallen world. Did you know that? Moment Adam and Eve violated God's law and they entered into the, uh, humanity entered into a, to sin. From that point on, we have been trying to find our way back from what we have lost. And what, what, what are some of the things that we have lost because sin entered humanity? We have lost a full, unhindered fellowship with God. That doesn't exist anymore in sinful humanity. We only gain that full fellowship with God when we put our faith in Jesus. That's why it's important. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.